This is the official podcast for casual anime fanatics. We hit you with fresh episodes for your ears at the start of every week. So if you're wanting a fantastic and casual podcast for all things anime, look no further. This is That Anime Podcast You've Been Searching For. Hello anime fans and welcome to another episode of That Anime Podcast for Casual Anime Fanatics, where we talk all things anime in a fun and uncensored fashion for your listening pleasure. I'm your host Jordo and here with me as always is my co-host and Ken, the baby brother Brennan. Brennan, what is going on on this fine Sunday evening with you? Just usual Sunday for me or the Sundays I like at least, just sleeping in and well, not sleeping in, actually, because the Formula One race was at 8 a.m. this morning. So I got up for that and then went back to sleep for a little nap and really just been chilling all day. So these Formula One races, they're, it's like sports. It's just it's a live event that you watch and apparently billions of people watch. Um, I don't really know if it's billions. It, probably hundreds of millions for sure. Um probably not even a million tune in in the u.s i don't i i doubt i mean it's internationally popular kind of uh not to say it's like soccer but how soccer is really popular around the world and then the u.s it's kind yeah of, it's just not it's as kind of man i think it's like that um internationally i think it's more tuned in than the u.s which i mean it's as popular as it has been here but but it's still it's just like espn2 that it airs on did you get to watch any uh any anime this nah, week, I haven't watched any anime. <laughs> any- let's, let's let's talk about that. So it's been like, it's been probably two months since you've watched anime outside of the required material. When we were doing Rising of the Shield Hero, let's dive let's let's dive into why you think that is. What what would you, what would you point the reason being to? Just time in my new job, probably just because I uh, started a new job a month ago now, and that was just uh. So my, I have more stringent hours. I was kind of just more of a, you know, get your work done, you know, respond to stuff and go home whenever you're finished. Now I have a more stringent schedule where I'm not getting home till close to six o'clock at night. And then if I want to go to the gym, you know, it's more driving, you know, finish everything, get home around 730. I got to eat dinner. I got to shower. And then that little hour and a half to hour I have free time, I usually play Warzone. <laughs> so I just... Ah, that's what it is. haven't had time to... I just I've lost out about three hours of free time a day, and then I started playing Warzone. So if I would watch anime, I've been doing that instead. So, damn, you got to get back on some anime watching or something. I mean, I've I've we've all been in that that anime rut, but you've been in you've been in a, an anime slump. I'd say you've been two two months. It ain't I mean, it ain't even just about lack of time at this point. I think there's I think w- what I think it is is you're needing a show that is actually worth like watching or like one that you will like really enjoy. And there hasn't been one like that in a long time for you. I mean, it'll probably honestly just be when bleach comes back, my hero, Jujutsu Kaisen, attack on Titan, things like that. 
I mean, it's nothing yeah. strange for me. Like I've been in and out, not in and out, but like sometimes I'll watch a lot. Sometimes I'll take a break for the last 10 years or whatever that I've been watching it. So comes with the territory. Damn. So has Darby not been watching any anime either? No. Jeez. She hardly did. She would just watch some with me occasionally or watch a little short one by herself. But, I mean, I'll get back into it. I always do. You can ask Colton. Even he fell off for a while and he started watching again because I started watching heavy. And then he's been pretty consistent since we started the podcast. But Yeah. Yeah. I'm just adjusting to my new schedule, too. Yeah, I mean, adjusting to a new schedule. I think having added stressors in in a life, definitely the first thing to go is is streaming television. That's like the first thing that you're like, well, I can cut that out, get some of my time back. So it makes sense. But me personally, I've always just watched my anime. My, My anime consumption has like directly to do with how sleepy I am and my sleep schedule. So my watching desperately went down whenever we first had our, our second child about two and a half months ago because I was so tired I couldn't stay up at night to watch the anime. But now I've been getting back to our normal sleep cycles, so I watch one or one to three episodes every night when I'm laying in bed on my phone. And so I've been watching Overlord. Um, I'm on season two now. And I'm trying to get caught up because it's one of the ones that's simulcasting weekly now. And I've, I've, I think I ask you this every week, but have you watched any of Overlord, like wh- season one or anything? No, I've watched any of it. I know in depth. I know the synopsis in depthly because just because it's been it was popular when its first season was going on. Um, I just never got into it or never started it. Yeah, I like it. It's season two. I feel like it's one of those shows where you can't, I I don't really know where it's going. And like, sometimes you don't really know what characters you can trust or even if you like the main character. So it's interesting in that sense. It it doesn't feel like your typical shonen where, you know, no matter what, everything's going to go, you know, according to plan. But I've also been watching that soccer anime, Aoshi, which I recommend. It's not as good as Haikyuu when it comes to sports animes, but it's pretty good. And it's weekly. It's simulcasting right now. I think there's like 20 episodes. So it's not, it's not a crazy commitment. Um, and then I also am going to give Classroom of the Elite a try. Because it's simulcasting. So I'm going to start at season one. And try to get caught up on that. Because it's, it's got a pretty interesting synopsis. I'll read it. Let me pull that shit up real quick. On the old Crunchyroll app. All right, Classroom of the Elite. Kiyotaka Ayano Koji has just enrolled at Tokyo Koto Ikusai Senior High School, where it is said that 100% of students go on to college or find employment. Pretty good numbers, 100%. But he ends up in Class 1D, which is full of all the school's problem children. What's more, every month, the school awards students points with a cash value system of 1,000 yen, 100,000 yen, and the classes employ a laissez-faire policy in which talking, sleeping, and even sabotage are permitted during class. One month later, Ion Koji, Horikita, and the students of Class D learn the truth of the system in place within their school. 
So it kind of is reminding me of the promised Neverland a little bit, just from reading the synopsis of like, they think that they're they're like at this place. It's like really good and highly rated, but then you start picking away at that scab a little bit at a time, and you realize it's not at all what you thought it was. <laughs> so I'm excited to give that a watch. Um, and then I also have to mention, I know everybody. I've been slacking on our anime Instagram. I I've. I have severely slowed down on posts, and I'm going to start picking that shit up again this week. So expect some some good material coming at you. Um, I've been slacking, and I apologize. I have no excuses. I have no excuses, but continue to follow us. Continue to tell your friends about us. Give us those five-star reviews on this podcast, and message us if you have any questions or just want to say hi. Instagram's the best way to do that, at that anime podcast. Um, anything else? Uh, Worth mentioning before I get into some of this anime news, Brennan, since Colton's not with us. No, go ahead with it. All right. So the Dragon Ball Super, superhero movie. Have you seen any of the trailers that they've released or anything regarding the hype on this thing? No, I used to, if I do come across it, I usually slide past it. It'll be like on TikTok or something just because I don't want to know anything. But yeah, stuff's they been, released a new stuff's trailer been popping up basically. I've been avoiding it. Yeah, I usually try to avoid it too for spoiler reasons. But the trailer doesn't give you any spoilers. But I watched it, and you can tell this entire movie. It pretty much looks like the same exact graphics that were used to make the video game Dragon Ball Z Budokai, that old video game <laughs> on PS2. Probably, well, probably not. Yeah. No, I'm telling you, go go fucking watch this trailer. I mean, yeah, it's it looks all it looks, CGI. It looks video gameish, yes. It <laughs> looks video gameish. I'm like, what the hell is this? You may thinking of maybe like Xenoverse or something, something newer. Yeah, maybe Xenoverse. But still clean. It looks than like that. a video game. It it just doesn't look like an anime. Which I found to be weird and, and honestly distracting. Like I couldn't even enjoy the trailer or any of Chris Sabat's voiceover work with Piccolo because the animation quality. But I'm not going to judge the movie just because I haven't seen it. But it does come out here in the U.S. on August 19th. So we're about less than a month away. No promises on whether or not we'll go see that in theaters or not. Just depends. Yeah, we'll But we'll definitely talk we'll, about it in some... We'll prob- probably for sure see it in theaters. You think? I mean, I'm gonna. I mean, shit. Not that many anime movies come out. Like, <laughs> it's Dragon Ball Z too, the, the Godfather of anime. I'm still so, waiting on the quintessential quintuplets movie to come out here. I'm, I'm for sure seeing that in theaters. Um. Oh yeah, here's the description for Crunchyroll. This is Crunchyroll's description for the film, and it's just it's it's weird to me that it's called Dragon Ball Super, superhero movie. It's just a weird, it doesn't feel like a Dragon Ball title, but whatever. Here's the synopsis according to Crunchyroll. The Red Ribbon Army was once destroyed by Son Goku. Individuals who carry on its, sprint, on its spirit have created the ultimate androids, Gamma 1 and Gamma 2. These two androids call themselves Super Heroes. They start attacking Piccolo and Gohan. 
What is the new Red Ribbon Army's objective? In the face of approaching danger, it is time to awaken Superhero. <laughs> I mean, maybe it'll have more of a, a grounded, you know, more of a grounded theme, I guess, instead of just, I mean, that's where the name comes from, like the superhero, like they'll be more, they'll be more acting like Gohan's been a superhero before, say a man. And that's kind of why he's like the centerpiece instead of it just being like, usually they're not heroes of the earth or like they don't get that kind of credibility. Like even in the tournament of power, like they save the universe, but nobody knows it. You know, they just kind of, yeah. I mean, not that they want that, but they just kind of fight on their yeah, own. Yeah, they're so not this, the Avengers. Nobody knows who they are. Exactly. So this may be more like a thing because the Red Ribbon Army usually directly affects like their world or West City and shit. So maybe that Gohan can be like the face because the most clout they've ever gotten is like, you know, everybody talks about like the blonde haired people from the cell games. It's kind of like they're, they're, Oh yeah. Cause they broadcasted that. Yeah. What do you think of these Android names? Gamma one and gamma two. Pretty, pretty standard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> probably could, probably could have dug deeper, but they'll work. Yeah. They, I mean, at least make it like gamma gamma nineteen and gamma twenty. Like, don't do, don't be gamma one and gamma two. I mean, they were just worked the first time, you know, seventeen and eighteen, you know, and sixteen. You know, they had to work their way up through a couple iterations to find the ones that worked. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of excited for uh, the animation though. Everybody, go watch it. Let me know if you think it looks like a video game too. Um. Moving on, My Hero Academia Season 6 is officially set to premiere October 1st. I know we've mentioned that several times, but I like to keep my eye on that one because that's a big one. Um, That's fast approaching as well. Um, We've talked about this in the past. Netflix adds Full Metal Alchemist, The Revenge of Scar, live-action sequel film to be released on August 20th, so less than a month for that too. So that's basically the day after Dragon Ball superhero movie comes out we gonna we're also gonna have full metal alchemist the revenge of scar live action Bet. so that and i actually like that one but that was back before i watched the anime so i need to go back and watch the live action that is currently on netflix and see how it holds up to the anime it was very good i mean i liked it just enough because i thought you know at least edward looked like himself like as far as backdrop and costumes like i felt like at least they got that right um, they just, I don't know, they just jammed too much in at the end, but I'll, I'll definitely watch it. I, my expectations, sadly, aren't very high for anime adaptation, so. No. <laughs> as long as it looks decent, I'll probably at least watch it. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to get excited for any of them. Yeah, it's the kind first, of like the thing and we with... talk about it all the time. The first letdown all of us ever had was the, was the Dragon Ball live action that they did that was just god awful it's funny though because when i mean yeah it's fucking bad and everybody knows it like but it's weird when you see it and you're like pretty young i was i mean i was probably like in high school maybe or eighth no you weren't i wasn't even in high school i I think think i was like seventh grade i don't know i think it didn't come out till like 2008 which i would at least been in eighth grade uh but either way you just don't really know what a bad movie is i guess like you know you didn't like it as much but you don't like now i feel like i can see a movie and be like man that was fucking shit you know and i can look <laughs> back at that but at the time i like, just kind of watch it 
and more so than being like that sucks you're like what the heck is like <laughs> why did they take that route i don't know i guess i wasn't angry about it back then i was just like it wasn't really a good adaptation though yeah okay so here it is so dragon ball evolution it was shit you're right it was 2008 2009 yeah because i remember i was like on a date and i saw like the advertisement for it and i didn't go on dates when i was like in sixth grade you know so i was like i had to be in high school (laughs) i can't believe it was that recently how did they f that up so badly i mean it was over you know 10 years ago over a decade ago so it is quite old if you think about it yeah which means 10 years ago somebody's already itching to give it a give it a reboot it's not take their shot at it it's not a hard one to do like honestly good cgi for beams and you know just like hollywood does for every movie juice up your actors so they're freaking shredded and you know you're pretty much good at that point (laughs) honestly yeah get the gamora makeup for piccolo for the namekians (laughs) just like (laughs) (laughs) you're set (laughs) (laughs) i mean really that's all i mean yeah we need we need goku all of the z fighters got to be ripped that's a given their hair doesn't have to match the cartoon. Just make it look like you tried. Yeah, like, just, just make give it. Us, give us an effort. Just like un- unruly. And then like Vegeta's could just give him a widow peek and slick it back, you know? Yeah. And, like I understand. Yeah. We understand that no hair looks like that, but. But he better be short as hell. <laughs> Who? Krillin? I don't want you. I don't want. Go- I, no, Vegeta. Vegeta better be short as hell. Oh, Krillin yeah. Krillin better be freaking short as hell. K Hard is Krillin. <laughs> Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that would be funny. That would be funny. All right. So, um, I was doing a little research today and I found this to be interesting. So I was just sitting here and I was thinking, okay, what we know that the anime industry is growing. It's fucking all over the place. So I was like, how much, what is, what is the, like, how much is anime worth? Like, what is it valued at? And so there's an answer actually pretty available on Google. The global anime market size was valued at the US dollar at 24.8 billion in 2021. I was about to say, I mean, Naruto and One Piece got to be worth billions just like alone between mangaka, merchandise, anime, probably tens of billions i know that it gets split up to different people you know network mangaka studio but just overall revenue and lifetime you know they're probably but just think about but counting for a big but share again of the 24 this number for one year yeah i think that this number is just in the u.s though uh, i thought you were saying they just put the worth to the u.s dollar because it's the standard that everything gets no i think to. that Based on this graph I'm looking at, it's the U.S. anime market. So this is counting like merchandising and all of that stuff. Um, it counts internet distribution, video, movie, TV, merchandising, music, live entertainment, and whatever the heck pachinko is. <laughs> pachinko? Yeah. I think it's like gambling. <laughs> but, yeah, pachinko's uh... on here. But the highest of them all is internet distribution. So streaming, basically, who gets the rights to what. And merchandising is the second. But yeah, and it's apparently growing at a rate of 9.7% compounding annually. So by 2030, 
it'll be about it'll be north of 60 60 billion dollar industry in the u.s yep i mean we said it here episode one <laughs> anime on a crunchy roll <laughs> yeah in i know America, we did that was America. our fucking first episode yeah so i mean it's i mean most people are pretty accepting that it's mainstream at this point which it's good you know you think you want that but then when it gets there you're also kind of like well shit like <laughs> damn but i mean a lot of yeah. these i mean a lot of these stories do deserve mainstream attention though so it's also good because i'm glad people can see the stories for what they are and there's still anime anime you know that people are gonna <laughs> they're gonna fit the stereotype but overall you know it's it's good to see it out there yeah i don't know if the live actions saw... are doing justice on netflix if people are consuming that and being like this anime shit <laughs> kind of sucks <laughs> <laughs> i hope i i mean it for sure is people are definitely seeing it and be like this shit sucks <laughs> but just to, i also saw somewhere that anime makes up for 60 percent, or at least 60 percent of all animation produced in the world yeah i mean definitely i believe so that think 60 literally 60 percent is getting pumped out of a tiny country. Well, yeah, because Japan, you, as we know it, for the entire world. I mean, they have a lot of outsourcing to like Korea and China for different parts of the animation process. But yeah, the studios mainly. But I believe it too, because if you got to think about animation, you know, you got Pixar is a big one, DreamWorks, and then, uh, but nobody really does hand drawn. So cartoon wise, you got Cartoon Network, and then you got so Nickelodeon. You got Family Guy, SpongeBob. True, but I was going to say Cartoon Network Bob and Nickelodeon. <laughs> I know that's Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah, but, you're right. But they've also, Disney, I don't even think they have, I think it's all live action. I don't know, I don't watch anymore, but even Nickelodeon has tons of live action shows. Like, whenever we were growing up, it was almost all uh, anime, or like cartoons. Yeah, hand-drawn. Besides like the Brothers Garcia or something like that. Shoot, that's, a Yeah. <laughs> that's a throwback right there <laughs> but just to give you an idea anime is at 24.8 billion the u.s automotive industry is worth 82.6 so it's about a fourth of that i mean and the automotive industry is freaking massive i mean so it's yeah it's mainstream as hell at this point Even when we started talking about anime uh, over a year ago on this podcast, since then it has grown massively. Yeah, it has. Like it was pretty popular back then, but yeah, I mean, freaking COVID hit, and people are like, "Shit, what am I gonna do with all my time?" People are like, "I'm gonna do two things. I'm gonna start a podcast, and number number one, I'm gonna start a podcast, and number two, I'm gonna watch some fucking anime." That's what everybody said to themselves. Yeah, and just, everybody did those two things. I just feel like the but online... But we are still doing those two things. Yeah, the online community is so freaking, like, powerful, too. Like, just, like, people that consume media. So, like, you know, a lot of people started watching Game of Thrones because people raved about it online. Like, uh, Joe Exotic. What's that one? The Tiger King. Joe Exotic. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, anime. Like, people were, like, AOT. And people started looking into AOT, you know? So, it's just, like... It's able to it's able to trend now too, and then also the emergence of like nerd culture becoming popularized through like video games on Twitch. So you know, like Ninja, you know, he's not as popular now, but I mean, he's still 
whenever he tweeted about Demon Slayer, you know, back during season one, you know, he's got millions of followers. So you got to think half of them didn't mm-hmm. know what Demon Slayer was and they wouldn't watch Demon Slayer because of him. So it's just, yep. you know, a lot of different factors that have helped it grow. Yeah, it's it's growing and growing and everybody wants a piece of the pie, which is why there's so many stupid ass <laughs> titles for anime because these mangakas are just like, and we talked about this last week, like, are they writing these stories because they're passionate about this story that they want to tell or are they writing it because they know it's going to sell? And the answer to that question is we don't know. It's, it's got to be, I think it's to sell. I think they do it. <laughs> I think I said it on another episode, I think they write one to get you know published and then like now that they have credibility they're like oh i sold this i did these numbers for x amount of weeks for this magazine now you know my editor or whatever he'll give me the freedom to write my you know my passion project so i do feel like it's you know because you kind of got to earn your stripes so maybe they do you know be like well this is what's going to get me you know into get a foot in the door basically in the industry but you're probably right that's, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, people take like internships and regular jobs just to get a foot in the door. You know, there's tons of different things. To... Yeah. I know. And there's, it's just, if you live in Japan, I, so I looked up what the wealthiest, the highest paying jobs in Japan are. And the stupid thing about the list I came across, it was like, the titles were like business development. CFO, CEO, COO, neurosurgeon, sales. Yeah, the, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, because those, <laughs> those are just around anywhere in the world. Those are basically going to be the highest. I know, but jobs. it was like a detailed like in descriptions about like what the job entails. I'm like, what is this? Like, this isn't helpful to anybody. But anyways, that led me down a rabbit trail. I'm like, okay, the anime industry is valued at twenty four point six billion in the U.S. Yeah, and somebody's and a again, CEO, and there's a COO and CEO of Mappa, and they're making the most out of anybody at Mappa. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it's listed as the highest paid jobs. Yeah, but it led me to the question: How much do mangakas make? And then that led me to the to the question and idea for this episode: Is who are the most wealthy mangakas? So I have a list here in front of me. Listing the wealthiest mangakas in Japan. I can name um, like probably like three or four that are definitely top ten. Oh, uh, you think so, huh? I mean, Oda with One Piece. Uh, what, keep, do you, what do you rank Oda? Oda's got to be number one. He's number one <laughs> okay, or number well, two. We'll see when we get there. Kishimoto's <laughs> probably number one or number two for Naruto. Um, Taite Kubo, Taite Kubo for Bleach, probably somewhere. Lower top ten, and then uh, Tagashi Hunter Hunter Yu Yu Hakusho. He's probably off in that bitch. His wife Sailor Moon. Um, she's probably off in there too. <laughs> uh, I don't know if uh, Toby or Toby Rama for Dragon Ball Z. He may be in there too. Toby Rama. Did Toby <laughs> Rama send you from Naruto? <laughs> What's his name? What's the guy's name that does Dragon uh, Ball Z? Or my uh, fucking not Toby Rama. It's That's freaking. I think I'm thinking of the studio that animates it with the cat. Akira. Akira, Akira Toriyama. Toriyama. Yeah, Toriyama. <laughs> but let's just God. go through it. Let's just go through. All right. So before we go in, let me ask you this: How much do you think the high? How much do you think the highest paying mangaka 
What do you think his net worth, his or her net worth is? Probably seven hundred million. I'm just thinking like J.K. Rowling's like the first billionaire author, and that's like from movie deals and shit. And I'm like, I all right. Think, I wrote down. I don't think Oda I wrote down. beat her. So I'm gonna say like not a billion, but pretty close. All right. So I said seven hundred million is your guess for who the number one wealthiest mangaka is net worth. So now let's go. All right. So the tenth wealthiest mangaka ever is a man named George Morikawa. He's got an American first name and a Japanese last name, George Morikawa, and he wrote Hajime no Ippo. The boxing one. The Dempsey role. The boxing one. Dang, I didn't know that one so, made money like that. So this is what it says. It's a boxing manga that's been going strong for well over 20 years. The series began in 1989 and has no sign of ending anytime soon. Um, by the way, this article was written in May of 2022. So it's, it's very, very new. May 1st, 2022. So it's only about three months old. Um, currently, the series, the series is approaching, a sale, approaching sales of 100 million volumes. As for Morikawa's net worth, it's estimated to be at least halfway to one million U.S. dollars. This seems absurdly low. However, for such a knockout series, it deserves much more recognition outside niche sports manga fans. (laughs) Only half a million dollars. This dude's put twenty years into the into this freaking. I mean, that's his net worth. You know, like he could. You know what I mean? That's just like his net worth. You know, he may have a house that costs four hundred thousand dollars plenty big for him i don't know makes 300k a year off of it and he may be spending you just would think he probably likes to spend that he likes he's a spender (laughs) i mean yeah you you just think like that's not that's not that high of a net worth like that's an easily attainable net worth half a million dollars like I mean, that's a that's a that's a middle class net worth by the time you die yeah that's not impressive if you buy a freaking here in the U.S. at least, you buy a two hundred fifty thousand dollars house at twenty five, you know, the bitch probably gonna be worth fifty k by the time you're sixty. You're halfway there. <laughs> you just gotta have a few more. Yeah. Ass- gotta have a few more assets to get your net worth up, and you know, debt low, of course. But yeah, it's yeah. a little bit lower than I thought for the number ten. I thought like the low guys are gonna be like five to between five and ten. Yeah, I know. I would. You never too. know what kind of deals these guys cut, but. I'm sure they renew their contract and I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of <laughs> I would have never guessed it would be that low, but I maybe shot too high for the top person cuz movies make so much money, <laughs> so maybe you know, maybe I should have threw Demon Slayer in there or My Hero cuz they got that movie money. All right, number 9, you're never going to guess who the Well, one, we we're just we don't really know mangakas unless they're like Faint, like big Have a big big anime to go with it yeah big anime so like the uh berserk? number nine this mangaka he wrote you're guessing berserk i don't know i'm guessing that guy's in here i don't know his name it's a pretty popular one so this anime so the number nine the wealthiest mangaka's name is kisuke itagaki and he is the writer of baki the grappler what <laughs> So manga sales are wilding, and that has he wrote well, more though? Because this is net worth. Like, what if they had some other, some other shit, or they just like contracted their merchandise better than others or something? You know what I mean? Like, I guess net worth just doesn't has, go hand in hand with, you know, 
Well, sales. his net. I mean, yeah. Th- well, this yeah, this article isn't based on like the success of the manga. It's just it's based on the sales of the manga volumes and like an estimate of their net worth. So he has about seventy-five to eighty million sales in Baki the Grapp- Grappler volumes, and his estimated net worth is one to five million. Pretty. Broad, but here's an interesting thing. Broad, broad range. His daughter. His daughter. Uh, Paru Itagaki is the creator of Beastars. Nice. So that might boost his his net worth up a little bit if she's not yet 18. It's like what are, how do we know if the mangaka didn't have a trust fund or something that's already <laughs> it's already raising up his net worth. I don't know. I think that these net worths are just based on their sales though. Okay, cuz I mean you know, so they, people, I mean, you can Google celebrities' net worth and people try to calculate it based off, you know, real estate, but I don't know how you do all that, but we'll, yeah. just, we'll assume that it's just based off manga-related to their IP. Mm-hmm. Number eight is Yoichi Takahashi for a show called Captain Tsubasa. So Captain Tsubasa is one of the most prominent sports manga ever created. It's beloved across Japan for its compelling characters and intense soccer competitions, which led to a soccer boom in Japan. Captain Tsubasa, including all associated spin-offs, has easily crossed the 80 million sales threshold. Takahashi's net worth is estimated between 1 and 5 million, but the impact on soccer fandom in Japan is certainly a great bonus. crazy and so number eight wealthiest still one to five million net worth like Mm. you think these mangakas are like among the wealthiest people in japan but compared to like just your everyday businessman or like ceo they're not they're really not not making that much for how much they work yeah i mean they're i mean they're probably in the top like two or three percent though because you got to think there's not that many you know at one company there's only like three to five people that are making millions every year and so they're still up there yeah you know what i mean because it's like nba players are like or national pro athletes football nba whatever in the u.s like they're crazy paid like lebron's one of the richest people in the world but it's like there's still a dude richer than him you know that's paying him the money basically so it's always kind of like yeah the owners (laughs) yeah but that's what i'm saying it's kind of the same thing with whatever company these dudes are publishing for like the dude who owns the publishing company's making more money than them you know yeah because the person that's publishing it is probably getting a higher percentage of the merchandise than even the mangaka and they're like the one the one percent and then the mangaka is probably like the five top five percent i don't know i'm throwing out i'm throwing out these numbers and i got no (laughs) statistical analysis for japan (laughs) either so yeah we have no idea how salt we have no idea how the economics in Japan work. We just we're just going through this list. We did not create it, and I'll link this list in the show notes. Um, number seven is Hirohiki, sorry Hirohiko Araki, which is the mangaka for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Okay, Do you want to take a stab at what their net worth is? Two to seven million. Six to thirteen million. Damn, nice little jump. Nice little jump. Yeah, it's getting up there now. But still, JoJo's is a huge one, and you would think 
it'd be higher than that. But like you said, I think that they're only getting a small, small piece of the pie. Like the publishing, Shonen Jump's getting getting most of this shit. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I I think that they're doing pretty well too. Like, I don't know. Like I guarantee you, you're not gonna believe the manga has got not, every, he, you know, like financially, like he's not hurting. Like it's just an no, he's not. Like, he's living well. Being worth thirteen million, like yeah, well, I, I'd take. I that mean, shit. he's hurting his his hands hurting. These guys got carpal tunnel to them. I mean, yeah, for these sure. do, they work their ass off, no doubt. <laughs> They're hurting. That's why they're savers. They don't really have time to go party. They're just in the studio grinding out pages. Yeah, that Yoshihiro Toga, Togashi guy tweeted on Twitter that he couldn't even wipe his ass. He was in so much pain from from drawing. <laughs> Need some Bengay. So they're they're hurting, just not financially. Okay, you're not gonna believe number six, the six wealthiest mangaka is Mas- Masashi Kishimoto. What? He's pretty low for Masashi. Yeah, because Naruto. So two hundred and fifty I mean, million copies sold. It's one of, considered one of the greatest selling manga franchise franchises ever. Um, despite the impressive success of his series, Kishimoto is believed to have a net worth between twenty to twenty-five million. I mean, that's really freaking. It says, good. of course. It says, of course, this is a tremendous amount of money, but given the impact of his work. It also seems to be strangely a strangely small amount, which it does for fucking Naruto. Like I that's mean, I think it's like the face of anime, like over like Goku. Easily. Like I think people just think of Believe Naruto. It. Like yeah, like it's just synonymous with anime. Like whether you like it or not, or think it's overrated, you know. But it's just kind of it's just for that thing. Like you know, it'll probably one day, twenty years from now, something else will probably be. But right now, it's like. When you think of anime, most people think of Naruto, especially you know the the masses. The Narutards are are pissed about hearing this. <laughs> uh, he didn't. He did, he, did, <laughs> he did it because he loved Naruto. He was never in it for the money. <laughs> uh, okay, number five, which I'm shocked that this guy is ahead of Naruto. Yoshihiro Togashi, Hunter Hunter. I mean, he made Yu Yu Hakusho though too, and then, like I said, we don't know. Yeah. The, we don't know the net worth. Like, if he's married, you know, and he's finally jointly with his wife, you know, it's <laughs> three of the biggest manga ever. <laughs> yeah. So he's also estimated a net worth of twenty five million, which is basically the exact same as Kishimoto. So, it's funny that we think that that's not a lot, or like we're acting like it should be more, but I mean, twenty five million—that's definitely enough for a couple lifetimes. It is. It's a, it's yeah. a lot of money. It's just when you think of the scale of what their work reached yeah. and like how much merchandise and like how economically yeah, fine, I mean, like, like I said, J.K. Rowling the impact billion, it's had on the country of Japan yeah, you would think, yeah, it'd be billions. In you the world think. at large. But like I said, it's those Hollywood movie deals that once uh, who bought the rights to Naruto, like Paramount or <laughs> Lionsgate Sony. or something. Sony did. Once Sony puts out a movie, maybe uh, Kishimoto will start really getting up there. <laughs> maybe if they make he's a probably trilo- still waiting on that check. That Naruto trilogy. Oh, maybe he will. That'd be sick. Everybody'd watch it. All right, number four: Hajime Isayama, Attack on Titan. 
Damn, these new school anime are just breaking in the dough, I guess. This is another big jump. Estimated net worth, 45 to 50 million. Insane. I wonder if they're just getting... I wonder if, like, the streaming rights are just bringing so much more money because, like, when Naruto came out and started airing, I wonder if it's just, like, you know, TV Tokyo was giving him money, but now it's, like, Isayama's getting money from Crunchyroll... Hulu, you know, dub, yeah, people dubs for Naruto, shit, like, they were just ripping that shit off of online pirate sites. Now people are signed up to streaming sites and actually having to pay for it. That's what I'm saying. I wonder if those Maybe are like right. blockbuster deals, like Crunchyroll is paying, you know, fifty million just to stream, be the first one to simulcast it, and you know he's taking ten of that for one season or some shit. I don't know. Like yeah, I said, I'm knows. pulling anybody's listening. I'm straight up pulling numbers out of my ass. So. <laughs> Yeah, no quote us on anything we say on this podcast. Uh, but yeah, Attack on Titan, Isayama, 50 mil net worth. Number three, the number three wealthiest mangaka is a man named Gosho Ayama. Detective Conan, case closed. Detective Conan Edigawa. Yeah, that shit's been going on. It's got the most, I believe it's got the most anime episodes, like more than uh, One Piece. Yeah, manga has sold about 230 million volumes. Do you ever remember watching that show? No, I've never even seen it. Colton used to like it a lot. It was uh, high, just the classic like high schooler working for the police for some reason. Uh, but he's a detective, kind of like Light was working for his dad. But he's just like solves case, but somehow he got shifted into like a 10-year-old's body. So he's like solving cases as a kid. Uh, oh. but then he always just like big reveals or whatever at the end he'll have like a adult knocked out sitting on a couch and he'll just be behind him like <laughs> divulging the plan of how he solved it interesting yeah this dude's worth a uh, net worth of 50 million so 50 basically so, the same as Isayama yeah. so no one's getting to 700 million I'll redact my answer and say Oda's worth one hundred. And- well, we still have two. We still have the top two, and we all know that the one percent usually makes way more than the ninety-nine. <laughs> I'm gonna reject my answer to one twenty-five to one sixty-five. <laughs> one twenty-five to one sixty-five. Because they're right. giving they're giving ranges for these people. I'm writing that down so I can quote your ass later. <laughs> Seven hundred mils gonna be a little high. <laughs> <laughs> all right, number two. Akira Toriyama, Dragon Ball slash Dragon Quest. Um, estimated net worth, you are going to shit your pants. 45 to 50 million. Okay. Why they it's include, the exact same why as they include, Attack on Titan. Why do they include Dragon Quest? All he did was draw the... All he does is the character designs. He's getting money. He's getting a lot of money for that, I guess. No, no he, he does the manga for it, too. Uh, I thought he just did the art, the character designs for the video games. I think he does the character design for the video games, but it's also a manga and anime that he does. He draws for. Uh, I didn't see. I didn't know that. Yeah, because there's an anime on Crunchyroll called Dragon Quest: The Adventures of Die. Yeah, I've seen that. I figured he just, you know, he he's the writer the, for it. I figured he had the characters drawn, and they just like used them, and somebody else was doing it. But I guess that makes sense. It's pretty pretty messed up. Fifty million net worth for that dude. Like, I mean, that shit's good though. 
it's good. It's good. I'm like, I'm not hating that. That'd be my, I would die a happy man. If that was my net worth, like beyond happy. It's just that when you think about you, you can't name a more iconic artist in Japan in regards to anime. Like most people our age or men, at least watch anime because of this dude. Yeah, I mean, he does. I mean, and he's, he definitely has a very unique art style. Well, so does Oda, but I think Oda's <laughs> Oda for the wrong reason and uh, Toriyama for the right reason just because, you know, the, the sharp edges of his character is just, I don't know. It just what, had, you, don't it, like, uh, you don't like Oda's <laughs> art style or something? I mean, it's, I mean, he's a good storyteller, but I mean, I think it's pretty well, I think most people would agree he's not the most talented drawer of manga. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that, that that's what people thought. I mean, shit, you've seen you how you see how Luffy and the boys look and the girls like all his girl characters yeah. kind of look the same. Like, yeah, they they got a good figure, but they all kind of, you know what I mean? There's not much difference between them. But I do like yeah. the, I like the variety as in the show like cuz Luffy and his crew like they're like they have weirdly shaped people like Frankie and some of the villains like like Luffy's probably like regular size dude but he'll be fighting people that are like 600 pounds yeah so there's like a lot of, always there's like huge. a lot of difference whereas you know most people in other shows are human size i guess yeah so i'm reading here on this website that it's very common for creators they're often not paid what they're worth like it's very common in the manga industry I mean, you have those because I guess a lot of people are upset about this net worth of Akira Toriyama. Think about the animators. It's a very small piece of his his pie. Think about the animators that are animating the show, (laughs) freaking slaving away for nothing. Yeah, I know it's pretty sad. It's all right. Number one, definitely an industry problem. Yeah, number one, you guessed it, Ichiro Oda, One Piece. Final guess. All right. With no range. <laughs> I'm going to say 110,000. 110 million. So you originally said seven, 700 million. Then you changed to 125 to 165 million. Now you're saying 110? Yeah, locking in 110 with a, with a buffer of 10 mil one way or the other. <laughs> All right. Well. He is actually a net worth of two hundred and thirty million. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. The dude's good. been selling mangas for over two decades, though. Yeah, he's been fucking grinding. Like, yeah, like that's the most, but like he's probably done double the work as mostly everybody else, if not triple. You know, when you've outsold like Batman and Superman and stuff, like you know, you ain't had much you ain't had much free time, basically. Yeah. Have you, seen, the... have you even seen the memes where it's like, I guess he had like recently came out and been like, One Piece is in the final stage. Basically, everything up till now has been filler. <laughs> 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 and people are like making making reactions. They're like, when the mo- when Oda tells you basically everything you've watched is just filler and now the real show is about to start and they're just like, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit, that would piss me off. That that was just a joke. No, he like I guess he really said it. I don't know. I haven't seen the quote. I've just been seeing like people make TikToks where they're like, 
<laughs> like basically got made a fool <laughs> because he said that and they're just like damn when you watch a thousand episodes of filler damn that would suck well so Ichiro Oda he is the wealthiest mangaka working today but also in history so this guy is so rich he is his net worth is 230 million the next closest is 50 million so he's he's about five times richer than any other mangaka can dream of which is weird to think about like that's but also at what cost this dude's given his fucking life to this story (laughs) well i also wonder how old he is because i mean if he finishes this story and it's a banger and he's like 50 or even he started in 1997 how old do you think he was like 20s he point, probably was in his 20s, yeah, so he's probably being, still got a good part of life yeah, left. Point being, if he retires at, let's say, age 45, you know, I don't know if he wants to keep writing or maybe take a deal where he's like, I'll do a monthly manga, but he'll have plenty of time to spend that money and maybe, I don't know, I mean, he may just be that passionate, like this story, you know, he wants to do right by it, but he's still got plenty of life, like most of us are going to work till we're like 65, so <laughs> he's putting in the work early so he can <laughs> stop 20 years early. He won't though. He'll he'll write something else, make a really short one. Yeah, I hope he does. I'm always interested to see what you know, what what they would do next, or if they even want to. Yeah. If there's any gas left in the tank, especially after <laughs> this is definitely his magnum opus. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. So that's the list. There you have it, everybody. The ten wealthiest mangakas in Japan. Um. It definitely was a shocking list to read through because, you know, you start by hearing that the manga industry is a $24.6 billion or $24.8 billion industry. And then you hear that the net worth of (laughs) the highest paid mangaka in the world and in history is only $250 million. You're really just like, well, shit. There's a lot of people making money in this industry, but it is not the creators. insane insane yeah which is another reason everybody don't pirate don't pirate read mangas go buy that shit or um you can pay so kaylee was telling me you can pay for the shonen jump app it's like i think a dollar a month either one dollar or three dollars a month and you get i think you get to read like a hundred chapters a month or something, something crazy. Like it's worth paying that one dollar so that you don't have to steal from these these artists. Yeah. Even though, writers. even though last week, a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about going into Barnes and Noble and just <laughs> reading some shit for free. <laughs> I wasn't condoning it. I was just saying there's nobody stop. There's nobody stopping me. <laughs> I know. <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> I did. I will confess up. I did read the first three chapters of Solo Leveling, but. I didn't read the whole thing, so if I want to read the rest, I have to go buy that that uh that manual, that volume one. So, yeah, everybody, don't don't pirate that shit. These mangakas, they're they're broke as as jokers. I mean, we gotta we gotta help get some of these guys out of the gutter. And I also didn't know that Beastars was written by a female. That's awesome. I didn't know that there were any like I didn't know of any female mangakas. I think there's. I mean, it's pretty, I don't know, I don't want to say, I just feel like it's pretty balanced, not balanced industry, but I think there's several that are, you know, 
I don't think it's like one of those uh, industries where it's like all dudes. Like I think there's quite a few, you know, female mangakas. You know, just as many as male. Well, it's that's how it should be. Women can draw just as good as men, and honestly, women women can tell some way more compelling stories in a lot of ways. They're usually more creative. <laughs> yeah, Kira Toriyama and you know One Piece. It's all about like strength and brute force. And then you think about Beastars, which was written by this Paru, um, the daughter of Kitsuki Itagaki. Beastars has a lot of layers to it. I mean, no, no. Yeah, that was that was definitely written by a female because I don't know of many male mangakas that could have pulled off that kind of layering in a show. But I don't have anything else. What about you, Brennan? Yep, that's it for me. All right, everybody. Well, thank you uh, for listening. Um, Colton will be back next week. Um, I'm Jordo. Brennan. We are the Evans Bros. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. And as always, peace out. Peace out.